Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 138, My Kids Are Stressing Me Out. It's October 26, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly podcaster. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moskowitz. My kids are stressing me out. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to be using kids or children in the plural. However, I do understand some of you may only have one child, which is fine. If you happen to be new to my podcast in the last week or two or three, I am recording from a wonderful, amazing rehabilitation center, recovering from a very bad traumatic car accident the kind that's often fatal so there will be some background noise I'm sitting outside but I'm managing the noise as best as possible it is a Halloween celebration here at the rehab center so some of the other areas I might normally use are uh, being used for the Halloween celebration now if you happen to know anyone who belongs to or is involved with the deaf and hard of hearing community, please let them know that I have transcripts for all of my podcasts so they are accessible. I am doing my best to improve my flow of speaking and my pronunciation. My podcast transcripts are on my hosting platform, rss.com, and one day they will also be on my website. Now, this is my disclaimer. Nothing that I say in this podcast or any of my podcasts is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. If you need medical or therapy advice, please get in touch with a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. Next up, if you happen to feel hopeless, suicidal, or like your life is not worth living, please stop and call the National Suicide Lifeline Prevention Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I promise you there is help available. And and I also promise you that the probably the reason that you're feeling suicidal or that your life doesn't matter or the world would be better off without you is probably because of some trauma, either in your childhood or adult life, and that can carry out throughout a lifetime. So even if you're 27 or 38 or 52 or whatever age you are, a trauma from your childhood or an adverse experience from your childhood or adult life could be the reason. So get some help because there is help available. Now, let's get dive right into my kids are stressing me out. Now, before I begin, I do want to give a disclaimer or a background note, which is I have very different experiences than you have, you who are listening to this podcast. So my request is that you not compare yourself 
because we have different backgrounds and experiences. And also that you do not beat yourself up if your kids are grown and you never thought of this, or if your kids are grown and they're stressing you out now, or you're having some issues, I'm asking you not to beat yourself up. Please don't do that. This podcast will give you some reasons why kids are stressing you out, things you can do about it. But for me, I started watching children as a mother's helper at age 11. So by age 11, I was a mother's helper, meaning watching two kids while the mother was home. And then within months to a year, I was watching six kids for a different neighbor across the street. So I will be starting stopping for the background noise. But six kids uh, under the age of five, one being a brand newborn. And I, so I started with babies, toddlers, children, at a young, young age. It gave me a whole different experience because I learned a lot upfront and personal about child development and what works for kids and how kids work and what makes them tick. So there is no question that raising children can be stressful. There are a lot of reasons why it's stressful and many reasons why you might be stressing out about it. Hold on, it might be raining. Just a minute. All right, where was I? I had to move. You should see me moving my podcast equipment in a wheelchair. I have I have a suitcase with some of the equipment. Oh, it's like it's a comedy of errors. I should make a little video about it. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of a little impressed with myself that I got everything moved by myself without having to pack everything up and start over. At any rate, I, I also have a sister who's 12 years younger than myself. I, would start, I started watching her when she was a baby. So I have a breadth of childhood experience. Now this idea of feeling stressed out, for some of you, it's stressed out isn't the right word or stressed out isn't going to resonate with you. You might be upset or perturbed or angry or feel like you don't have the tolerance or the threshold or the ability to deal with your children and this is common this is if you knew how common this was you would just have a huge sigh of relief you would feel normal you would feel better like I promise you and so what I'm going to be doing today is teasing out some of the sources or root causes why you're feeling stressed out, annoyed, perturbed, angry, or what have you, and then give you some ideas for how you can how you can tone down or turn down the volume of your annoyance or stress or the th- the negative aspects so that you can enjoy por- parenting more. Because the whole thing about parenting is it can be amazing. Now, sometimes people get stressed out or annoyed or perturbed or angry because they or rolled up in a ball because they have unreasonable or unfair expectations or they simply haven't been around babies toddlers children teenagers and they just don't have facility they don't have skills they don't have a a point of relating as to what's developmentally normal but there are hallmarks and milestones that when I'm coaching a parent I will say oh that's just so normal like of course your child is at the age where they should start to work on being autonomous and independent that's not bad that's age appropriate 
or what what have you so that's one area so what your expectations are what's your relationship and for some people they just don't realize it's normal for kids to test their parents or test the boundaries like that's normal now well, you know it could be to the extreme and that's not helpful but that's one piece another piece is some parents are so shattered or brittle or wounded that they take things that their children say way 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 too personally like oh it's sad it's sad it hurts me it really hurts me and some parents are perfectionists or hypercritical of their children that's hard if you're a perfectionist parent or or you might some perfectionist parents by the way will not cop to that they would say I have high standards okay whether you call yourself a perfectionist whether you refer to it as high standards or you know you've been told that you're hypercritical that will lead to many problems with your ch child or your children because they won't feel good enough they won't feel like anything they do pleases you because there's always some criticism now there's a difference between being hypercritical or perfectionist and and training your children to be able to live on their own and to be able to function i did i did go through that with my children of saying well there's a difference between critical being critical and helping you do the best job you can let's let's discuss it and we discussed it so for example babies and toddlers and young children are not wired they're not developmentally wired to sit in a grocery store or shop store shopping cart for an hour or more or sit at a restaurant table for an hour or more and be quiet they're just that's not how they're wired but people will expect take their child to a store put them in the cart and then kind of be upset when their child starts to cry or gets bored so this is this is like normal behavior and you can offset that by taking listen I had a bag packed in the car at all times once I had kids and it would have like little toys little arts and crafts things they could do sitting at the table or in a cart little you know pencil and paper uh, snacks my kids behaved in every store and every restaurant and everywhere we went because I knew what to bring to keep them occupied. So I could shop, do my grocery shopping without crying or an upset or go to a restaurant or what have you because I knew how to counterbalance what would likely happen. So hopefully right now you're thinking aha yeah oh that's a that's a great idea well i i live in the world people right so i see the people who are going to a restaurant or shopping in a store or what have you with a baby a toddler or a young child and they don't have anything for their kid to do i see it i see it all the time it's normal but that's not helpful same thing for when you're going to church so you have expectations and you might not even know what your expectations are. So that's one place where people get hung up. Now, is your thinking rational? Well, I don't know if your thinking is rational. Your thinking may or may not be rational. I have not discovered a number of the percentage of the population, the prevalence of irrational thinking or distorted thinking. It's I've discovered numbers that lead me to believe it's very very high but I'm not sure what the number is so if you have irrational thinking common as it may be that is going to impact your parenting dramatically so for example so by the way irrational thinking if you didn't pick it up on one of my previous podcasts is 
when your thinking is warped or thought flawed or distorted in some fashion now there are many forms of irrational thinking which are usually called cognitive distortions so one common cognitive distortion is all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking so if you're a parent and your child misbehaves and you have black or white or all or nothing thinking like that's that's probably going to be a problem that's probably really in my opinion would be problematic as would many many or not if not most other cognitive distortions so don't be woe is me but i'm talking to you about how to really take the stress out of parenting get some new ideas and this is one by the way cognitive distortions or irrational thinking are going to hurt you in every area of life and you don't need to be woe is me because you can change or fix a cognitive distortion over time with appropriate intentional actions and i have a whole podcast on that so my next point to for you to consider and this is a big one is what are the conditions that you are parenting under this is not something that we typically talk about but that's kind of what i what i do i talk about all the stuff we're not talking about so what are the conditions are that you are parenting under so there are many situations and conditions that will impact your parenting and that you have no control over. And, and it's very, very helpful for you to begin to have a healthy dose of self-compassion if one of these issues is at, on the table or at play for you. For example, separation, divorce, single parenting, having a sick baby or a sick child, poverty, domestic abuse, and that's very common, health issues, job or career issues, financial issues, being a caregiver to an adult in addition to caring for babies or children. There are many, many, those are just a few, situations or circumstances that will impact your ability to parent. I was in a domestic abuse situation raising my children. That was a very tough condition to parent under, very tough. Like it's tough to get through the day when you're dealing with that. So one of the biggest other conditions that most of us are parenting under is that we are parenting from unhealed wounds, from uh, trauma in our childhood or trauma from adult life. We in society, in my opinion, are pretty much not talking about trauma and what constitutes trauma for a child. We are not typically talking about the lack of love and affection or different forms of neglect or perfectionist parenting or addictions or all the problems that leave children wounded who grow up to be wounded adults with trauma who then raise wounded children and you perpetuate the cycle because we do know that trauma is very frequently generational trauma and it's passed from one generation to the next. So for example, I'm third generation domestic abuse. No, I'm not saying, I'm not proud of that. I'm not happy about that. I didn't know the trauma could be passed from generation to generation. We're not exactly sure how all it's passed, but there's also generational triumphs. So you have to give yourself some grace, in my opinion, a whopping big mother load of grace that you are a parent and you are doing the best you can and just be give yourself grace, give yourself compassion, give yourself like, freedom to say, wow, you know what? I, I made a mistake or I 
you know, I think I want to do something different. Most people in the world are too hard on themselves and they beat themselves up. That's the rule. That's kind of how it goes. I'm requesting and asking that you not do that, but bring grace, bring freedom, bring compassion, bring love to yourself, and then look and see, hmm, what are some of the small changes or things that I could do that would help my children be happier, help me be happier, bring peace, and reduce the stress or upset in my, in my family with my children? So one of the questions is, is your family in chaos? Now I'm using this word, word chaos to, to mean a lot of different things. And the, and the second part of this is if your family's in chaos, the next question is, has your toddler, young child, adolescent or teen or young adult lost their sparkle? So I'm dealing chaos to mean family issues or problems that require more of your time and attention or are deeply painful or both. And again, that could be some of the challenges I talked about earlier. Could be a sick child, a separation, a divorce, a miscarriage, the death of a child, the death of a spouse, the death of a family member. Being in an abusive relationship or marriage, we call that domestic abuse. Having significant financial problems or economic abuse, which frequently comes with either domestic abuse or domestic violence. Being a single parent, having a partner or spouse who has addictions, uh, having homelessness as a problem, having a child or adult with a disability or special needs. These are all things that, are, that pile on. They are, they are life challenges that are hard and particularly hard if you're working to raise your children. So these are not your fault. I mean, if you're in domestic abuse and you're being abused, I can promise you that is not your fault. And if you're thinking it's your fault, that your spouse isn't nice to you, I got news for you. No, no, it's not your fault. Listen to some of my other podcasts. Now, I'm sure your spouse or partner is making you feel like it's your fault, but I promise you it's not. So. These situations where I'm saying it's family chaos cause trauma for children, whether they're, whether they're a young child, child, adolescent, teen, or young adult or adult. These cause trauma in your child, whatever age, that can cause your child to lose their sparkle. And when a child loses their sparkle, many things can happen. It can show up in a huge number of ways. I'm gonna give you a list of just a few of them. This is not by any stretch all inclusive. So when you're dealing with hardships or challenges that cause chaos, usually it's trauma, you might notice that your child is having a trauma response. Let me tell you people, this would have been so helpful to me as a parent had I known this. I couldn't figure out what was going on with my kids. I'm doing all these things and yet we still have some issues. So for example, depression, anxiety, GI problems or gastrointestinal problems, headaches, being sick or having an autoimmune system problem, acting out, gaining or losing weight, being angry, being defiant, having trouble academically, having trouble focusing, cognitive issues, substance abuses, aches and pains, uh, being unmotivated, apathetic. These, there are many ways, if you listen to my other podcast, that your child can lose their sparkle. And these are some of the issues that might be present or show up. Now, 
if you are not familiar with psychoneuroimmunology, I know one of my favorite terms, because what does that mean? Psychoneuroimmunology is the science that explains how your mind and your emotions are connected to your physical body. So emotional situations in your mind, in your heart, or clues or factors or situations outside of your body, completely outside of your body, can cause physical symptoms in the body. So don't be surprised I'm saying GI problems if your family's in chaos, that's in the research people. And if you're new to my podcast, I do love research, but only the parts that help me have a great life because I don't like a boring life. So this is one thing that happens probably well we know actually trauma is like 70 percent of the world so for probably close to 70 percent of the world of people parents raising children this is what you're dealing with so don't despair though because because there's always good news this is the good news channel i'm your good news girl that there are things that you can do to help your child get back their sparkle if you take intentional actions and get on it so one of the first things that, so that's that. So if you're in chaos, probably your child may have lost their sparkle, probably struggling, probably having trauma responses. You might be trauma bonded to your abuser or your family or whoever. You know, they might be trauma bonded to your spouse or your partner or somebody else that's causing abuse. This is, this is one major, major source of why many parents are stressed out when they're raising their children the next thing i want to bring up is something that if you do this if you do this i promise you i promise you that it will reduce your stress and be extremely beneficial to your children and in fact it could even save the life of your child what am i talking about have you guessed well what i'm talking about is making your children be nice to each other The reason I'm saying make your children be nice to each other is because what is one of the major stresses or stressors that parents talk to me about? It's that their children fight. It's that their children bicker. It's that their children tease each other. It's that one child is mean to another or two of the children gang up on the younger one or two of the younger ones, you know, are nasty to the old. Like, this is a problem. Now, According to the research, this seems pretty clear, so I can give you the statistic, up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated by their own sibling in the family home or outside the family home. So up to 80% of the children being raised in America are bullied or mistreated by their sibling or a sibling, one or more. So what does that mean? Well, this is what causes children to be grow up and be suicidal this is what causes these are underlying causes that contribute to low self-esteem being suicidal having issues with um, depression anxiety this behavior of being bullied or mistreated by your own family members siblings or other can lead to or contribute to or be uh, conducive towards addictions of all kinds hoarding health problems, you name it. Now, I do have a podcast that is titled, Make Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. That's, I don't know how many minutes it is. It's probably 40 or I don't know how many minutes. But I talk about the different ages 
of child development and the steps you have to go through to have this be the rule of law. If you today on October 26th, listening to this podcast decided, you know what? I am tired of the bickering. I am tired of the teasing. I am tired of playing referee. I am tired of hearing the crying. I am tired of blah, blah, blah. And you, 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 doesn't have to be both parents because this was just me. I did not, I was not supported as a parent. No, I was not, as you can imagine, in domestic abuse. I was undermined. But if you made a decision, you, whether you're a single parent or married, if you made a decision and drew a line in the sand, I am done with the bickering. I'm going to cause a new situation to arise in my family. Go listen to that podcast. Make your children be nice to each other. If you need to read some of the research about how bad this is for your children, go right ahead. But I'm telling you, why would you want to allow something that will contribute to making your child possibly be suicidal later in life? Why would you allow a behavior or situation in your family home that you can control because I've given you the tools in the podcast, make your children be nice to each other. And if you need more help than that, by God, please get in touch with me. This is important. This is something we need to interrupt. Why would you allow something to happen in your home with your children that might make one of your children end up on drugs or with some other addiction? Of course you wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't knowingly do that. No, you wouldn't. Now, you might do that if you're suffering so badly yourself and you think, oh, I just can't do that. I'm telling you, you can do more than you know and Go listen to the podcast. If you need some other help, you can get in touch with me or ask other people. But I'm talking about creating a team environment with you and your children. The other spouse, if you're married, the other spouse doesn't have to be involved. I mean, I did it even though I was married. I I functioned as a single parent even though I was married. And my kids are grown and that's what they grew up with. And let me tell you, when they were 12, 14, and 16, they got to see up front and personal what it looks like to see one sibling bully and be very mean to another sibling in a group setting, so in front of other people. And after they saw that, then they came to me and told me what happened. Well, they didn't tell me the story because I said, don't tell me the story because the story would be gossip. I don't like to hear stuff that's gossip and it didn't really matter for me to know exactly what happened as long as I had the gist. Well, the gist was one sibling was mean to another, horrible, horrible. The one sibling was saying, oh, please don't tell that story. Please don't tell that story. Begging their sibling not to tell the story, which the sibling did anyway, hoping for a laugh, but it was cruel. Nobody laughed. And my children came to me after everybody, after they were, everybody was gone and said, wow, like we know now why you're making us be nice to each other. That was horrible. That was so awful to watch. Wow. So this is very important. If you do nothing else in this and listening to this podcast, I hope this is the one thing you will do because you have control of this and I give you all the tips and and again if you need more tips let me know put this on your list don't and don't take no for an answer if you so if you're namby pamby with your kids well okay no no there's no namby pamby when you're the parent you have to be the leader now this is a sidebar tip for people who are parenting young children so young children could be you know 
the age where they could get into trouble. And that might be a variety of ages, but I am typically talking about young children here. So here's my hot tip. And I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that many people don't do this as well, but this, is, this will give you less stress, which is to child-proof either your entire house, which is not what I did, but child-proof a section of your house. I did a section. I did the living room, dining room, kitchen, and this front hallway. And then I put those little eye-hook latches on the tops of the doors that, of the rooms that were not child-proof. So my children had access to this huge living room, the dining room, the kitchen, which of course was child-proof with nothing glass in the, in the lower cabinets. And they had free range. Now I did have beautiful decorative baskets. I mean, I do like things of beauty people. I mean, I'm not snobbity or uppity, but I did it in good taste. So you don't have to throw out good taste just because you've child-proof your house. I had a variety of different shapes and size and colors of baskets that had like Legos or stuffed animals or dress-up clothes or different you know, things to play with throughout the living room, etc. And my children had free range. So I could be in the kitchen cooking or I could be at the dining room working on the table at something and I didn't have to be like, oh my God, where's Luke? Oh my God, where's Noah? Oh my God, where's Ann? Oh my God, where are my kids? And be worried because I wasn't stressed out. I had protected my children and made a wonderful, playful environment for them. But this is not what people do. What people do is they have their wedding pictures on the coffee table and then they keep telling their 18-month-old, no, no, don't touch that, put that down. No, 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 no. In my opinion, people, in my experience, in all these years of child development and babysitting, babies, young toddlers, young kids, you do not want your child growing up in an environment where they're hearing no, 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 no. That's not good for them. You want to enter, you want to have your your house be a yes. So, childproof your house. Now, another area where parents typically have problems and get stressed out is when they're trying to cook a meal. Well, I under <laughs> I understand because not only did I have to cook when I was raising my three kids, I had to cook gluten-free and allergy-free. So, we were free of like I think all at one point all of the top eight allergens which now has changed um, and then I think we got either we were allowed to, could have one of the allergens but gluten-free and dairy-free egg-free peanut-free treated-free you know you, you name it so I had to do specialty cooking because back in the day let me tell you back in the day like Wegmans didn't have boo for gluten-free or allergy-free foods it's a completely different time today than it was 24 23 years ago completely different so what i would do is i had a little counter space with bar stools that the kids could sit up and starting very young like starting as young as they could safely be at the bar stool chair which did have a back and be up at the counter i would let them be in the kitchen with me i would give them their own bowl i would give them their own measuring cups i would give them access to flour some herbs some spices i would actually just say what do you want and they would tell me what they wanted including sometimes they wanted the dish soap and they would put dish soap now they were not making edible dishes but an 18 month old or a two-year-old doesn't really care they're enjoying the measuring it's good for their fine motor skills it keeps them out of your hair meanwhile i'm right right there with them at the counter 
with my own bowl mixing up the real ingredients for whatever I was making and they had a ball and I had pictures of all, all my kids at very young ages at the counter either covered covered in flour or covered in something or like I think I have a great picture of I don't know if Noah was four like at the stove making sloppy joe at like four well of course under supervision but what a great skill this is a life skill now some parents have told me well I wouldn't want to clean up the mess okay that's a choice then what are you going to do you're going to listen to your child whine they're going to be saying i want to help i want to help and you have to listen to that so if that's how you want to do it go ahead go listen to it i'm telling you it takes like two seconds to clean up the flour throw out the ingredients when they're done because of course they have not made something edible and you just i just i will have to get permission from my kids to put up some of those pictures because they're adorable and it's really good for them. Then guess what? Once they're like two and a half or, you know, at some age, then they can actually start helping you. Then you actually start having them measure a teaspoon, a tablespoon, a quarter cup. And then you can bring in math and measuring. It's amazing. All of my kids learned how to cook at young ages, were extraordinary master cooks before 18. And when they left the house and went to college, for the most part, you know what they said later? Oh my gosh, I am so happy I'm such a good cook. Do you know that most of the kids my age don't know how to cook? And they taught their friends how to cook. This is a great thing, and it solves a problem. The problem of your kids either getting in your hair or whining and complaining because you're trying to cook. Bring them on board. Oh my gosh, that's just amazing. Now the next piece of this is the role of your emotions. This is the mother load, the big, you know, the golden nugget. For most of you listening to this podcast, myself included until later in life, I mean, I knew how to manage and process my emotions, but there were, uh, anger was an emotion that I did not have facility in until 2006. But everything else I was pretty good at. But anger, no. So we are not growing up in a world where emotional intelligence runs the runs the show we are not living in a world where people understand how to regulate their emotions how to manage and process their emotions no that is why the suicide rate continues to rise that is why addictions are so high if people could deal with their own emotional pain they would not need to numb it oh here goes the train so my job i'm already happy and i know how to do these to do these things or i've already done the people so my, the point of my podcast is to help you, is to help you be happy, help you be healthy, help you deal with life's problems. I already know this stuff. I already do this stuff. To help you, on my website, I have placed a free, 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 downloadable workbook on emotional processing. Had I known that I was skilled in this back in the day, I would have taught my children this. And what I did uh, teach my children back in the day, even though I didn't know I was good at emotional processing, because I'm not a therapist, how would I know I was extraordinary at it? I didn't. I only found that out last year in 2022, uh, as we then we then dissected my my upbringing, my life, my everything that's happened to me to figure out how, how did I turn out this way? Um, because we've already eliminated. I don't have OCD. I don't. I'm not neurodivergent. I don't have autism. I'm not on the spectrum. We're like we've we've assessed and, and I've been assessed for everything. I just had an unusual 
set of life experiences. So go to my website, www.lisaalundy.com. On the right-hand side, right below the Newsweek logo is the link to click on for the free emotional processing workbook. Right now, I'm on version 5.0, and I'm sure at some point later this year, or at some point, I will be on version 6.0. We, I don't know idea how many versions we'll have. I'm, I'm deconstructing what I do. And I don't know what I do because I just kind of figured it out over a lifetime. I mean, the anger came in 2006, but I was already good at the other emotions. I just had no anger skills. Now, one of the things I talk about in the workbook is get an emotional vocabulary word sheet, which you can print out from the internet. All you have to do is Google emotional emotional word vocabulary sheet. There's tons of them free. They're free. Download it. It's usually uh, an eight and a half by 11. It's a table and it goes feelings and it goes like happy, happy, angry, sad, you know, whatever. And then it's by gradients, strong, medium, mild, you know, in terms of the intensity of the feelings. Now, I printed out these worksheets for my children, and I decided that my children would do this. They were thankfully young enough that they did it, because I, I didn't give my children choices in lots of things. Hey, I know, I know what, how to have a good life, so I was going to teach my children the best I could how to have a great life. And so for each situation, whether it was happy, sad, angry, whatever, I would ask my children to look at the emotional vocabulary word sheet and pick out three words. Well, I meant to, I meant to stop that for the trade, but I didn't hit stop. Anyway, this is really critical. We as society, I would assert, I would just assert, as society in the world, I think we have the emotional vocabulary of like uh, kindergarten, first, second grade. We have a very poor emotional vocabulary as society. People, you say, how do you feel? Well, I'm upset. How do you feel? I'm angry. Like we have limited words that don't give you the full connotation because there's a big difference. So do that, do that, do that. You will never regret this. And what you will do is you will start to see your stress levels come down and your children start to be happier as they gain emotional regulation and emotional processing skills. Because in life, either you are at the whim of your emotions or you are in control and in the driver's seat of your emotions. Well, I certainly hope that you would like to be in the driver's seat and in control of your life and in control of your emotions. It will, it will also help your children to be protective against suicide and against addictions and against other very serious problems, including mental health problems. So that's a gift. It's my gift to you because it's free. I know how much I could charge people for my content. I didn't, I didn't wake up yesterday. But this is too important. I'm out to change the world, and I want you to come along with me so that you are happy. Don't you want to be happy? Yes, you want to be happy. All right. The next suggestion I have for you, which is not difficult, is to bring love and affection into your life. This is sadly one of the things that's missing. 
I have several podcasts on love, The Lost Art of Love and Affection, Be Well Loved, Running Away from Love. I have podcasts on love. I have podcasts on pretty much every different topic you could think of at this point. So for some of you, one of the reasons that your parenting is so stressful and you're so stressed out or you're perturbed or you're annoyed or you're angry or you're upset is because you as a child did not receive love and affection. That's actually extremely common. You don't need to feel bad about it. It's like not happening. It's just not. I, I've, you know, and if you got love and affection when you were growing up, good for you. I'm happy. That makes me happy, but that's not what's going on. So that means if you didn't get love and affection growing up as a child, you probably have low self-esteem and you might be very self-loathing. That's what you're, that's the environment you're bringing your children into. And by the way, the sad thing I learned, which I didn't know, did not know, is so I have healthy standalone self-esteem. That's my made-up term, meaning I feel good about myself. I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to be perfect. I make lots of mistakes and I own them. I'm not ever going to try to be perfect. And I could talk a lot more about that because that goes back to before fifth grade where I was like, oh yeah, no, we don't want to be perfect. Um, but we have parents who are self-loathing, self-critical. They really hate, some of them really hate themselves, which is, you know, this is a mental health issue. So you do not want to raise children who hate themselves. But if you have low self-esteem, that, that's the role model you're providing. And if your children are growing up and one parent has low, really low self-esteem or is a psychopath, a narcissist, a sociopath or bipolar, or it's a different, different mental health conditions, they will withhold love and affection from your children. They will do that. And that will likely cause low self-esteem. I did not know that, you know, if you, that one great parent wasn't enough. Like, I didn't know that. I, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. So you can have an excuse that, you know, you're too busy or it's not that important. And that's fine. But I want you to know what we know from neuroplasticity of the brain is that you can change anything. You can change your low self-esteem. You can change how you feel. You can move to self-love. You can move to loving your imperfections. You can move to a different state in life from intentional actions over time. That's already proven. Your brain can change. Now, if you're going to be the martyr or you're going to be the victim or you're going to say, oh, I don't believe you, go listen to my podcast on neuroplasticity and psycho neuroimmunology because that science is not going to ever be disproven that's how much weight the body of science for neuroplasticity has just like psycho neuroimmunology those bells are never going to be unrung we're not going to have some new study that disproves neuroplasticity or disproves psycho neuroimmunology this is an area where people suffer and so this is an area that you doesn't have to be hard. You could make it a wonderful journey. Oh my gosh. Like I, I told my kids, I took my kids on as many journeys as I could on my personal growth, including when I was, I, I, so I had a healthy self-esteem, but I didn't know I had an inner critic. Well, I didn't know I had an inner critic because my inner critic didn't, didn't, didn't chime very much. Didn't speak up very much. Was pretty quiet. Was fairly quiet. So I didn't discover it till later in life because it was pretty quiet. And I, when I learned I had an inner critic, I took my children on this amazing journey so they would help me tame my inner critic, which I talk about in my self-compassion and um, self-care and self-compassion podcast. Now, 
knowing what I know now, even though I'm not a therapist, I would have done more with my kids about that. So be the leader. So what I'm asking you is be the leader and take your children with you. I took my children with me on as many growth and development things that I could, and we made it fun. So for example, I did a podcast, I think it was my last one, it's titled Raising Children in the Age of Technology. It's a very important podcast, Raising Children in the Age of Technology, because if you are raising children now, you are clearly raising them in the age of technology. Now, my children are older, but I was even raising them in the age of technology back then, because laptops, gaming, you know, phones, you name it. And one of the things that I talked about in the raising your kids in the age of technology is alternatives and things you have to do. One of them is setting goals. Well, people look at me when I say like, yeah, my kids wouldn't set goals. Well, guess what? If you're the parent and they're living under your roof, now if they're 25, okay, you, 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 you might have missed the boat. You can still try and, and I wouldn't give up. But if a child is still living in your house, I don't care if they're 18, I don't care if they're 21, or but if they're still under your roof, whether they pay rent or not, whatever the finance, but if they're still living with you, I would exercise as much control as possible. Even though I'm not a control person to say, look, I didn't know this when you were 12. I didn't know this before. This is really important. And you're living here and this is what we're doing as a family. We're setting goals. And if your child can't think of goals that would inspire them and light them up and things they'd be really happy about, then that means your child may, very well may, be depressed. They may have lost their sparkle. Everyone, we want everyone, I want everyone to be thriving in the world. And to be thriving, like you want to have things that you are excited about, that you can't wait to happen. like. So, yeah, set goals. Set them with your kids. I, we would set goals. I set my own goals. My kids would set their own goals. I would type them all up, me, then the kids individually. But then I, when I would check in on my goals, because their goals were after my goals in the same Word document, I would say, all right, let me, let me just check in with you. I just was looking at my goals. Here's your goals. And sometimes they would say, I don't even remember what I had as goals. And I would say, yeah, I didn't remember what I had as goals either, which is why you check in on your goals so you can see how you're doing and make it fun. Goal, listen, life is too hard. Make life fun. Why not? Now, figure out, so set goals, make lists, do all these things and figure out what you can do together as a little family, whether you only have one child or you have two, you and your two kids. Now, if you have a great partner spouse, good for you, I'm happy. Make sure you keep that together. So I would, I like to exercise. So when my kids were young, well, when I only had one, they got a bike seat. So he would ride on the back of the, <laughs> back on the bike. I forget how old they have to be. I, it's different for different seats. I don't know if it was a year, but at any rate. So all of my kids rode on the back of the bike. When they outgrew that, then they would be into like a, a toddler size bike and we would go for bike rides, we would play games, we would do superhero movies and superhero shows. I loved having their friends over because that made me happy. Hold on. So find things that you can do together and enjoy it. My next suggestion is celebrate every little thing. Now this was something, this is the way I've lived life, right? 
that so some of the things that I've done all my life I didn't know were things or I didn't know that everybody else didn't do them like it was like whoa so I taught my kids to celebrate every little thing have a reward system oh my gosh why would you not want to get rewarded for doing work why would you not want a reward for getting through life rewards are fun they're the best they don't have to break the bank don't don't break the bank don't be financially irresponsible but every little every little victory have a reward system and then build a reward system as a family and as a team this brings acknowledgement to growth and development it le leads to acknowledgement for progress you set goals oh look you know i i walked you know 5000 steps instead of my normal 2500 okay how am i going to reward myself well hopefully with a healthy reward but something fun now i am going to do a sidebar so celebrate every little thing now i will say one of my kids when they went to college called me up and said oh my gosh mom guess what i'm trying to set up a little celebration a little you know celebrate every milestone every little thing and i said yeah and they said guess what like nobody here knows what i'm talking about like people don't do that i said i understand people don't do that but that doesn't mean you should stop you should still do that and you should take them with you and role model this is what we do we celebrate every little thing they can't help it they weren't exposed to that so you be the leader and you expose them to that so that's what they did so as a sidebar i have to mention some of you parents have children that are really problematic for you and i'm going to just briefly mention this and hope that you will consider it so if you are struggling with a child child's behavior cognitive issues sensory like lots of issues i would go to the fine gold f-e-i-n-g-o-l-d fine gold association website where they are the repository of research on food food additives food dyes and chemicals and the research of how that impacts children it is stunning it is absolutely amazing i will say before i found out about the fine gold association when i was raising my children i thought i had discovered this concept that food could make your child uh, have a meltdown or food dye could cause different reactions and then I, I talked to a woman on the phone who was laughing so hard when i told her i had discovered this she said honey you didn't discover anything that was like 26 years ago or whatever how many decades ago dr feingold and these other doctors discovered that and that's how i discovered the feingold association but does everybody in america and the world know about the feingold association oh no they most certainly do not so check out and look at whether food could be the source listen i have i have a person i will leave out my relationship to them who had migraine headaches for like 20 years debilitating close the blinds lay on the couch can't do anything take every medication they give you 20 years and guess what yeah they had a, an intolerance to garlic so they suffered for 20 years because of their refusal to look at food or food intolerances as a cause for their physical symptom so if you have children and there's any issues and it could even be just rashes or eczema whatnot uh, look at the fine gold association look at the relationship between environment food chemicals my next suggestion is to ask for help we have too many parents who feel like they have to do it on their own or people will look down on them if they ask for help oh my heavens people i had neighbors come 
watch my kids so I could go to the medical library. They watch my kids for free. So I could go to the medical library to, to research a, a health condition for a family member. And this wasn't just once. This wasn't a once and done. This was over and over and over again. I had people come help me watch my kids or do different things because I, I'm not superwoman. And I had a lot of, I had three actually concurrent traumas. But ask for help. My next suggestion as a family, if you are raising children, is to get an assertiveness book. One of them is called, that's been around forever, is called Your Perfect Right. I don't particularly have any attachment to what assertiveness book you get. Just make sure it's a good one. And read it together as a family. Read it together as a family, chapter by chapter, and discuss it. This will change your children's lives. Now, I got my kids assertiveness books, but I didn't make them go through it because I was too, too, too in the domestic abuse survival mode. But I did do that with my stepchildren when they were younger. My next suggestion is that you get high on the horse for self-care. If you are not taking care of your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your environment, that's probably why you have a lower emotional bandwidth. And if you don't know about emotional bandwidth, I have a podcast about that. Self-care every day, make it fun. It's just like it should be part of who you are. Listen, I actually had my girlfriend bring me three things, four things, when I was in the hospital from before I came to rehab from my terrible accident. And that was an eyelash curler, mascara, eyeliner, and a mirror. That's all I needed. That's like, well, I mean, showering, cleaning, I mean, that, that stuff I took care of. But, but you know, like, when I have, I don't wear foundation. I don't wear, like, nail polish. I don't wear lots of stuff. But when I have my eyelash, eyelashes done and my eyeliner, I feel like myself. And I look like myself. And without it, people look like, oh, what's wrong? Are you crying? Yeah, I might have been. <laughs> so self-care every day and teach your children this. Teach your children this. So if your children are grown and flown, you could try these things with your grandchildren. You can introduce your children to them, and I certainly would. I'm still having conversations with my children about emotional things and trauma and things I'm learning. So, um, But your stress could be coming from so many different areas, as hopefully that is evident to you. Do not give up. I want you to enjoy parenting, whether you have one child, two or more, as much as possible. Like, it's like the most precious gift. I just love being a mother. Like, I love being a mother like crazy. Of course, I love a lot, a lot of things, but I love being a mother. And I actually like, oh, I think I'll adopt this person or that person. So if your kids are still under your roof, create a journey, make it delicious, have rewards. I would go all out. I would name your team, brainstorm, teach your kids brainstorming. My kids know brainstorming very well. My kids know all of the stuff I talk about pretty much. Like, I think one of them said, well, I really don't need to listen to your podcast. I could probably record it because I know what you say. <laughs> That's true. Because they lived it. Because this is what I did with them. Because this is how I've lived my life. This is the only way I know how to live life. Like, laugh, play, have fun. Of course, I'm serious a little bit here and there. But go on a journey. Make it magical. Make it playful. Make it fun. I would have costumes. You could do cosplay. Like, really, like, go wild. 
on a growth and development, personal growth and development journey. This is what's going to take your stress level down. This is what's going to take your kids' stress level down. This is what is going to protect your children from potentially from suicide, potentially from addictions, from potentially, potentially depression and a really hard life. Or you could just like let life be hard and do nothing. It's your choice. I hope you found that helpful. That's it for now. Go enjoy being a parent. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 138, My Kids Are Stressing Me Out. I hope that you have now gotten some new ideas on actions you can take to start to lower your stress levels, increase your love, increase your joy, and begin to enjoy parenting even more than you have been. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically because, of course, you wouldn't want to miss one. And please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends and family or on social media because we have too many people who are stressed out by their children. That's it. I love you. Take care for now.